You've heard that reading makes you smarter. You've heard that reading improves your memory. If you're a writer, you've been told that reading makes you a better writer. These things are all true, but there's more. See, over 130 million books have been published in the history of humanity, with a heavy reader getting through 6,000 in a lifetime at most. Most of them won't be much fun or very memorable. Perhaps only 30 books will ever truly mark us. They're different for each of us, but the way in which they affect us will be similar. Give any book the opportunity, and it will teach you something. But in order for anything to happen, you have to give it a chance. And to give it a chance, you need to be humble. Reading challenges you, and taking a book seriously means risking the chance of finding an adversary. As an entrepreneur myself, I'm a huge proponent of reading business books to level up my game for one simple reason. If you want to learn about business or improve on a particular aspect of your business, a $15 to $30 book is one of the cheapest crash course educations you can get today. Think about it. For the cost of a decent dinner, you can get a business book that may literally change your life. Today's world is filled with online business courses, expensive training workshops, and coaching programs. Within all that, business books are a bargain. But sadly, reading takes time. Lots of it. Time that we often don't have to spend going through 150-page books. That is exactly why I've decided to start this review series. So let's get right into it. As always, I'm Alex Kowalczyk, and you're listening to The Think Train. In this series, every month, I'll be reviewing and walking you through two books that had a huge effect on me and really changed my perspective on the way I do things, both in my professional work life and in my personal life. To start off, I'll be talking about one of my favorite books of all time, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This book is an absolute classic and needs no introduction. It was recommended to me by a longtime friend and mentor of mine, and since the time I've read it, the fundamentals it taught have been a part of my everyday life. Over 15 million copies have been sold worldwide, making it one of the best-selling books of all time. There are 30 principles in the book laid out through four different sections, and I'll be covering 15 principles which I felt were most important, each one with a quote and a sentence or two of commentary. So let's get right into it, and if you're listening in your spare time, grab a notepad and try to keep up. Starting with section 1, Carnegie walks us through the fundamental techniques in handling people. There were a couple of points within this section that really stood out to me. Principle number 1. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Criticism is futile when dealing with others because it puts a person on the defensive and usually makes them strive to justify themselves. It never works to get what you want, so stop doing it. Principle number two is give honest and sincere appreciation. The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. Being appreciated is one of the core human needs that rarely is satisfied. Be generous in your appreciation for people in your life, and they'll love you for it, but it has to be sincere. Section 2 talks about six ways to make people like you. So for principle number 3, Carnegie says become genuinely interested in other people. Quote, you can make more friends in two months by becoming genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get people interested in you. 
Don't spend so much time worrying about how to be interesting. Try and focus more time on being interested in others. Principle number four, and possibly one of my favorites, smile. This is a little self-explanatory, and I'm sure most of you know how much a simple smile can change things. You have to have a good time meeting people if you expect them to have a good time meeting you. A smile is gold. It puts you in a great mood, and if you don't believe me, try and be miserable while you're smiling. Second, it tells the other person that you like them and are genuinely happy with their presence without saying a word. Principle number five, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Quote, if you want to know how to make people shun you and laugh at you behind your back and even despise you, here's the recipe. Never listen to anyone for long. Talk incessantly about yourself. If you have an idea while the other person is talking, don't wait for him or her to finish. Bust right in and interrupt in the middle of a sentence. Instead of thinking about what you want to say next in a conversation, Carnegie says to slow down and truly listen to the other person. Being a good listener is better than being a good talker. Principle number six, make the other person feel important and do so sincerely. If we are so contemptibly selfish that we can't radiate a little happiness and pass on a bit of honest appreciation without trying to get something out of the other person in return, if our souls are no bigger than sour crab apples, we shall meet with the failure we so richly deserve. I love this quote because what this principle is saying in short is that if our goal is to make someone else feel important, we should do so happily and without expectation of anything in return. Section number three, win people to your way of thinking. Principle number seven, the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. Quote, there is only one way under high heaven to get the best of an argument, and that is to avoid it completely. See, if you think of an argument from two different perspectives, it's impossible to win, because even if you yourself end up being the victor, the other person feels inferior, and that's the easiest way to make somebody reject your thinking. Principle number eight, if you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Quote, any fool can try to defend his or her mistakes, and most fools do, but it raises one above the herd and gives one a feeling of nobility and exultation to admit one's mistakes. If you know you're wrong about something, this quote is basically saying make sure you admit it before somebody else has to point it out. Principle number nine, get the person saying yes, yes, immediately. Socrates kept on asking questions until finally, almost without realizing it, his opponents found themselves embracing a conclusion they would have bitterly denied a few minutes ago. See, when you're trying to persuade, always start by focusing on the areas where you can find agreement. The more you get the person in a yes mind state, the more likely you are to get others to agree with your points slash propositions. Principle number 10. Be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. Quote, wouldn't you like to have a magic phrase that would stop arguments, eliminate ill feeling, create goodwill, and make the other person listen attentively? Here it is. I don't blame you one iota for feeling as you do. If I were you, I would undoubtedly feel just as you do. We all want to feel like we're understood, don't we? Principle number 11, throw down a challenge. People desire to excel. The challenge, throwing down the gauntlet, an infallible way of appealing to people of spirit. Every successful person loves the game. So give them one to play. Finally, section number four. 
be a leader, and how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. We start with principle number 12. Begin with praise and honest appreciation. Beginning with praise is like the dentist who begins his work with Novocaine. The patient still gets a drilling, but the Novocaine kills the pain. People you talk to will always be more open to criticism if you first let them know what you appreciate about them. Principle number 13. Ask questions instead of giving direct orders. People are more likely to accept an order if they have had a part in the decision that caused the order to be issued. Instead of saying, you did this wrong and here's what you need to do better next time, ask, what do you think you could do better next time? Give the person a chance to fix their own mistakes rather than giving your solution. Principle number 14. Give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. See, if you want to improve a person in a certain aspect, act as though that particular trait were already one of his or her outstanding characteristics. See, leadership means communicating to people their worth and potential so well and so clearly that they start to see it in themselves. Principle number 15. Make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. The final key to being a leader and changing people without arousing resentment is to make the person happy about doing what we want them to do. There are six steps to doing this well. 1. Be sincere. Don't promise if you can't deliver. 2. Know exactly what you want the other person to do. 3. Be empathetic. 4. Consider the benefits the other person will receive if they do what you suggest. 5. Match the benefits to the other person's wants. And six, convey your request. And with that, we come to the close of how to win friends and influence people. Now, we only scratched the surface of this book, so to anyone who has thought about giving it a read, I highly recommend it. Not only will it make you a more effective leader, but the skills and principles you learn will overall make you a more enjoyable and happy person to be around. Now, whether you're a leader or on your way to becoming one, pressure is something we can't escape. Whether it's a work project scraping your heels as you try and keep up the pace with your crazy deadlines, or the pressure of going up on stage and presenting in front of hundreds of colleagues, we all feel it. Oftentimes, you find yourself asking, how can I better perform under all this stress? Luckily, Henry Weisinger and J.P. Paula Fry wrote a book called Performing Under Pressure, and for our second book, I'll be walking you through exactly what pressure is and four ways to combat it effectively. When everything is on the line, when we have to deliver the goods or suffer the consequences, we feel pressure. These days we face more and more of these situations on the daily, weekly, or even monthly basis. The authors wrote this book for a very important reason, to give us the ability to find untapped skills and strategies to help us perform up to our capabilities in every situation we put ourselves in. Let's dive right in. What pressure is and what it does. There are three basic truths about pressure. First, pressure interferes with the things we value most in life, our careers, our relationship, and even our decision-making. Nothing escapes it. People who handle pressure better than others don't actually perform better under pressure. They simply let pressure decrease their performance less than others. Finally, 
In order to do our best under pressure, we need to leverage the natural pressure management tools we already have at our disposal. The more important the outcome is to you, the more uncertain the outcome is, the more responsible you feel for the results, the more intense the pressure and likelihood you'll underperform. Think about the last time you felt a lot of pressure. In my situation, my heart rate was racing, I became unclear, and sometimes just couldn't put the right actions together. A lot of people experience this when they face public speaking. To perform well under pressure, we need to control our thoughts, think clearly, and act with the appropriate responses to the situation. The authors say that people who harness the four horsemen can perform well under pressure. Those being confidence, optimism, tenacity, and enthusiasm. We'll go through each one. Starting with confidence. Confidence is more than just a feeling where we believe that we can do what it takes to succeed. It's a sense of conviction deep inside you. There's no magic pill for instant confidence, but there are two big things you can do to consciously build it over time. First, you have to get a clear reading of your current ability level and current level of confidence. What you're shooting for is a higher level of confidence backed up by ability. So if you want to hit the jump shot with two seconds left on the clock with the game on the line, Having done it before will help immensely with your confidence. Second, get your brain involved by raising testosterone and lowering cortisol levels in your system. To do this, the authors outline using the high power pose method made popular by Amy Cuddy. When you have your arms open, shoulders back, standing straight, you can actually lower both testosterone and cortisol levels by 25%. Next is optimism. Optimism has plenty of benefits over pessimism. You'll be in better physical and mental health, have a better marriage, have better grades in school, and have much higher levels of resilience. Optimism is made of two parts, expectations and explanations. If we expect good things to happen, we'll feel less anxious in the moment. Pretty self-explanatory, but being aware of it is important. For explanations, when we look back on our successes and setbacks, we tend to come up with explanations about why things happened the way they did, and if our explanation is optimistic, we'll continue to persevere. With all that being said, it's important to have a balanced sense of optimism. You can swing too far both ways. Third is tenacity. The authors suggest that tenacity is critical to our success, and we can best understand it by considering the following. Goals, focus, hope, and coping. Tenacity requires working towards a goal. Students working for good grades, athletes working towards winning the game, and a patient towards walking again. Focus, in context, means the ability to place your attention on whatever helps you achieve a goal and to ignore what doesn't. Hope is what keeps our focus alive when other people throw in the towel. One of the best things you can do to create more hope in your life is to work on identifying the necessary routes to achieve your goals. Where there's a will, there's a way. Finally, there are two main ways that you can cope. By managing your emotions or by focusing on solving the problem. The last of the four horsemen is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is extremely powerful. It isn't something that happens to you. 
It's something you can create. It increases our working memory. It allows us to see more connections between things and more possible combinations of ideas, which leads to greater creativity. Here are some things you can do to create a state of enthusiasm. Before the pressure situations, engage in enjoyable activities. Move, walk, dance, anything you can do to get the blood moving. Play music that inspires you. Speak with enthusiasm. Use inflection and speak forcefully. Laugh and smile. Recall positive events from your past. And it can even be as simple as clapping your hands. So there you have it. Everything you need in order to start performing near your best under pressure. And in the Park City Blackwell area, 68 degrees today. Those two books changed the way I held myself as a person and changed the way I interact with people. Once again, I recommend reading both of these. I wasn't able to cover everything, but I covered the parts that I felt everyone can benefit from. That concludes this episode of The Think Train. I know I did something a little different this episode, but I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have the time and you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps me out a lot. Or go follow me on Instagram at think underscore train to keep up to date with my blog on thinktrainpodcast.com. I'll see you all in two weeks on the next episode. Mm-hmm.